Hello there, and welcome to a Dungeons & Dragons role-playing podcast. My name is Stacy, and I'm the DM. So come with me and my good friend Mick. Join us in our weekly discussion about our campaign. Listen to our successes and failures while trying to flex our role-playing muscle. The funny bits, the dumb bits, and the all-round good time that comes with this great activity. The cast for our first shot at this campaign is Kundal Fistpunk, a male dwarf artificer who in a previous incarnation was also known as the now late Krusty, a male halfling ranger, who was startled by a sound, who dove for cover, who landed on a pressure plate trap and got himself crushed by a rock. Then there's Domina, a female drow cleric, and Jenny, a female tabaxi monk, Ondorth, a male changeling rogue, and finally Mick, who plays Rectal Windbreaker III, a male Goliath Barbarian, and yes, I did just say that. It's his name. The campaign setting is the Southlands from Cobalt Press. We're using the D&D 5e rule set, and we game using the Fantasy Grounds virtual tabletop. So that's the cast, that's the campaign. Now, welcome to the show. What happened last night? So finally... The team managed to solve the, the last remaining puzzle in the pyramid to get into the final space and meet the big bad boss, or the BBEG, the big bad evil guy. <laughs> and uh, I always thought the big bad evil guy was the DM. Well, in, or, or in this case, when, when we're dealing with a bunch of murder hobos, I think the big bad evil guy is actually the players. <laughs> it is very true. But the, so you guys finally, so try, it was the last space, the last remaining place to get into that hadn't been checked out in a pyramid. You guys are standing in front of these two statues of Anubis and you're trying to figure out, okay, we've got to open this up. The dwarf's gone in there and, and he's managed to figure out that this things are magically locked and there's a riddle in front of us. <laughs> you guys were stumped. And I, as the DM, I'm sitting there, ah, well, I, I can't give this away. They got to figure this out. And I was waiting for someone to be like, can I do an insight check or something like this? And I was just like, yes, absolutely do an insight check. Because the, the mystery was something about, well, I shouldn't give it away, but it was one mystery. And to me, knowing the answer and, and looking at the clue, I was just like, oh, it's so bloody obvious. I mean, you yeah, guys. You actually did have to hint that someone should do an insight check. That's how dumb we were, is that we needed you to say, it's a riddle, you might be able to solve it. Yeah, because at, at the end of the day... use one of your skills. Yeah, at the end of the day, it, you guys are just sitting there and you're like, oh man, this has really got us stumped. What do we do? And so the first thing you guys do is you're like, uh, well, let's put some of these discs on there. And I'm just thinking, how does the disc tie into these riddles in any shape or form? Because you use the discs with the carvings on them to successfully get past the obelisk in order to open up the entrance in the stairway. And then for some reason, you guys still had that on your mind. And, and then you're sitting oh, there Oh, no, it wasn't. Uh, at this point, make it abundantly clear that, that uh, Rectal, uh, having two spare discs and the, having the last game he played, I think, was King's Quest back in 1982, um, where every object that you gather must be used in the, somewhere along the line to open a door or have a clue. Having two discs that you don't use doesn't work for Rectal. Uh, so clearly Rectal knew he had to use these two discs. It was the only possible solution. 
it, to open the door, the fact that they weren't needed for anything in the game was completely immaterial. I, I got such a big kick out of you guys drawing an egg on one of the discs <laughs> and then a star on another one, thinking that an egg and a star, getting, getting hung up on the word white in Twinkle and drawing these on the discs or car- carving them in with a, a dagger or whatever it was and thinking this was going to work. It's <laughs> just like, wow. And then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, let's, let's you know, do an insight. And so someone, uh, I had all of you guys do an insight check. And I think actually Jenny got the, uh, the only value that was high enough to be able to get an answer off that first one. And again, I tried to be insightful in the answer. But even then you guys were like, oh, wow, what was it? There was blood. There was brains. There was, oh, it was just everything but. And uh I should point out at this point in time, Rectal, who was holding the two discs, was the person that did did give the correct yes, answer yes. to the question. So. What, was it was it Rectal that gave the correct answer, or was it Mick? <laughs> Sorry, yes, we, we, we should too. Yes, we, there is a there is an issue about going out of character when it comes to these things. Yeah, and that if your character shouldn't know the answer, but do you do? What do you actually do? And in this particular case, it was Mick gave the answer and because Rector would never yeah. have figured it out. Yeah. And so, I mean, at the end of the day, you guys figured out what the two objects were. You got them into the hands of the statues. The door magically opened and, you know, all this cold air and green mist comes billowing out and you guys walk into the tomb. And I, oh, I have to ask, and this one's completely not related at all to, to our, our topics, but uh, what did you think of the mummy's voice? I love the mummy's voice, and I must say that if you are going to be a DM, uh, and I should say at this point in time that Stacey, but I, I have a, a, a theatrical background from a production side, not from acting whatsoever, um, and I did say to Stacey about three months ago, if you are going to be a DM, you need to come up with at least a half a dozen voices, and in the last three months he's come up with about ten, and none of them are vaguely similar. Yeah. So yeah, you've got to be a DM, got to be able to do voices. I, I was sitting there thinking, too, about what, what the voice of this mummy should sound like. And, and of course, the obvious answer, <laughs> I, I threw that out the window immediately. And I was just like, nah, because I know what this mummy is. And I got an idea of what his backstory is. And uh, even to that end, I'm not going to give away much more than that. But I, I sure had fun creating that voice. So, well, when, it wasn't very white. We could say that. Yeah, when he came out of the, when he did come out of the the sarcophagus, it was pretty funny. And then yeah. when he when he seen you guys, I thought that was amusing. I, I got a few chuckles. So that that was a good for for the DM. He got a win on that one. But then things quickly went south, and and this is where we start getting into the pay attention. Keeping information to yourself and who gets the loot is really only comes into play in last night's scenario after all the evil things or the bad things, or basically once the room is cleared, let's just say that because what's evil and what's bad from everybody's point of view is different. So the room is cleared. But prior to that, in the middle of the battle, everybody gets up. The mummy basically says, you guys, your life is mine. And battle starts immediately. First thing that happens is... One, one of the players, Ondorf, runs across the room because he sees an object. And so he heads for it. Jenny, she runs. Uh, I think she ran directly to the mummy, didn't she? She did. And everybody else, they, well, I shouldn't say that. I think what happened is everybody entered the tomb. And as soon as they entered the tomb, 
and they all got past the threshold, the threshold burst into flame. And that was the trigger that caused the, the coffin to open and the mummy to emerge. And that's when everybody started reacting and Ondor ran across the room to, to check out whatever the object was. And I have to admit, you know, Ondorth, every time he does something, he does seem to trigger traps. Which is surprising given that he's, he's the a one. Rogue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he seems to be good at, at picking a lock and stuff like that. And he does, but it doesn't change the fact that, you know, those locks tend to be trapped. And the first time he caused the, the lion statues to reanimate and attack, hmm. although would they have attacked? No, they question. wouldn't have attacked. And we know that this was a case of if you're doing murder hobo, the lions didn't attack. They, yeah. The lions went face-to-face with Rectal, yeah. didn't strike, uh, and then they were attacked by one of the team. Then Domina went and Domina, threw, a, yeah. threw a blast off. And, and I mean, at this moment, you know, the, the, the lions had reanimated. They started shifting into their hybrid forms. And before they could really attack, Domina figured... And was it in character, out of character? Hard to say, but it, to me, it seemed very murder hobo-ish. So point is, Ondorf triggered that, triggered the reanimation. And in this case, again, did, did he trigger something? He triggered the sand. Did he trigger the, the initial scarab swarm at the very beginning? The very he first was, time? He was, he was next No, because he came in and he, he went to the, the little treasure chest and started cutting it apart. So... Maybe it was you that triggered the first one. No, I, yeah, that was me. I yeah. opened when I opened the first coffin. And when then I of course, the first coffin, the scare, the, that's was when the scarabs came out. But this time, he when he ran across the room and on the pedestal was an object, and as soon as he removed the object, all of a sudden the walls fell, the panels on the wall fell down, and the room started flooding with sand. So that, that certainly made things more difficult for you guys. And then to top it all off, what you guys weren't aware of was that although outside of the room, you guys had found the, the part in the hallway that was discolored. And again, the dwarf figured out that this wasn't proper and uh, rectal re- remembered seeing earth shaped like that after the Tuscali invasions. And you're like, oh yeah, this is Tuscali. But nobody actually really thought or considered, well, what, what does that mean? And especially because... Jenny came face to face to them earlier on when she was separated. So nobody really thought, well, are they going to come back? Why were they here? What are they doing? And then all of a sudden, once you guys got through those doors, who showed up? The Tuscali showed up. And then all of a sudden you had this big, a much larger battle. And then what happened? It was, uh, as a DM, what do you expect? (laughs) Expect the unexpected. I I didn't know what to expect. To be honest, I think what I expected was, that you guys would start battling the Tuscali. That's what I really thought. That that, and, and then what would end up happening is that the the Tuscali would. I mean, they had a very specific reason for being there, and I can't say why. And I expected that that uh, they would end up fighting you guys and fighting the mummies, and uh, it didn't quite work out that way. But I mean, part of this is this goes to the the issue of you've got. Three warring parties standing in a room. Um, Rectal did say, uh, "We'll all go down the back and let these two beat the beat themselves senseless." And in this particular adventure, we've seen this happen before, where you've got three parties and and we haven't stood back and, and let it unfold. The, the other issue with this that, that but comes here, up here again too is, is 
this, I actually, to me, this is a perfect place for pay attention because the thing is, is, I mean, if you were paying attention, if you were thinking about it, you should be saying, well, why did they show up? Jenny should have been saying, oh yeah, I, I bumped into the Tuscali earlier. So as soon as you're like, oh yeah, those, those are Tuscali holes, you should be like, whoa, wait a minute, those are Tuscali holes. And, and Jenny should say, yeah, I bumped into them earlier. And then there should be some questions. Well, why? And Ondorf, like he's got, he's got his own little separate, you know, he came in late, uh, introduced as a new character. His backstory is in there. And he very clearly said what his loyalty are is. And a- again, um, nobody's talked to him and, and said, okay, all right. So Karima introduced you to us. And you very clearly said that you are with, with Karima. Why? Nobody's discussing, you know, what are some of the reasons behind this? And I think if, if in character, out of character, and you try to swing it in character, you had a discussion, you might be like, wait a minute. Yeah. Maybe we should have a, a different tactic once we get through here. You know? We try. And again, we, we had a crack at that last night as to, um, why is his loyalty with Karima? And interestingly enough, his loyalty is there and he made it abundantly clear that he is, that's where his loyalty lies. So we now have a party divided into three parts. The Toscali thing, um, from a rectal point of view, is the Toscali are the invaders. To me, this is the, and this was revealed early on, the Toscali are invading this whole area. So, so to find them, to keep falling over them, is something that's that that to me is is to, to rectal is to be expected, and at the end of the day, it is my expectation that that's where this adventure will go. And I could be proved wrong, so tune in later to find out what actually does happen and whether rectal is right and whether it is a Tuscali invasion that that everybody in the township has to band together to fight them off. You know, I, I, I think it, again back just to to. Here you've got the mummy with his minions and then you know, the Tuscali arrive with their minions. Uh, and you guys are faced with basically two BBEGs. And you, it, it, was, it was interesting for me as the GM to watch and see what were you guys going to do? Because to me, backstory wise, you guys should be, you don't know anything about this mummy. All you know is that you've been asked from two separate part, two different groups have asked you, please find this second piece that you're missing for this much larger object. The, Jenny's got a little bit of information. She knows that there's a second piece. You guys have a little bit more information. You know that there's a second piece, but it's an idol. And so you come in there and you know, this is what we're doing. But you, 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 as the GM, I'd be like, well, your entire backstory, the entire reason you guys came together was the Tuscali invasion forced you guys all into refugees. So where would you focus on? And not and one of us, and not no, one no. of us last night, turned, we all went out of character. And I, yeah. and, you know, I was second to play and, and I, I should have done what I did. And as a, as a Goliath, Rectal would have gone into a rage and would have attacked the Toscali. Mm. But that didn't happen. No. And, and the other part for me is the GM is like, I clearly knew what the Toscali motivation was here. And I clearly knew what the mummy's motivation was. And I, I tried to stay with that. So like, you know, all of a sudden you guys are, you guys are there and it's dealing with you. You guys are food for it. And then all of a sudden these Tuscali show up and the mummy's just like, who are you guys? What are you guys doing here? What is this? I, you know, he's never experienced this. You know, who low, nobody knows how long he's been dead, but nobody clues into some of the things that I'm saying as the mummy is as if it might be important to help you choose a side in this particular thing. And then the mummy goes after the Tuscali and 
what do you guys do? You know, well, it was so and, funny. And it was. And, and if you take this whole, if you were to take this and reconstruct it, you'd turn around and you'd say, well, um, at that point, at the point at which the, the Toscali have arrived, there's been one hit made on the money. Um, set it on fire. And of course, as soon as he set it on fire, I mean, it's a logical thing. Let's put it on fire. It'll kill it. But this is a special type of money. You set it on fire. Toxic fumes fume out. And all of a sudden, Jenny <coughs> is, you know, one hit point away from being dead. Yes. And then, and, and as Rectal said at the start, fight the Toscali and, and, you know, let them fight the, join the side of the overwhelming force. Mm. Um, and hope that the underwhelming force being the Toscali will slow it down a bit and then you can kill off the mummy later. Did but we didn't do that. We picked both sides. Did, did you, and did you notice? Yeah, you tried to take on both enemies at the same time. Which, uh, which is crazy. Yeah, why? But did you guys, did you even notice as the player or even as Mick what the, the Toscali were doing when they arrived? Did you, did it, did you clue into what was happening? The Toscali had come to get something. Yeah. And, and, and they clearly, and it was blatantly obvious from, from right from the start that they had identified their man whose job it was to, to, to get the object, uh, and get out safely. And everyone there was to protect him, draw fire, sacrifice themselves. As, as Mick, this was, uh, you know, right there in front. And even Rector would have seen this one. This is standard, you know, pack animal attack stuff. Uh, he 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 would have recognised it. So we, there are a few issues here that come. There's a raft of issues that come up. One is that uh, everybody went out of character and didn't attack the Toscali. Um, and I, can, I can we can we blame the DM? Of course we can. Why shouldn't we? The <laughs> um, rectal can rectal who is not real bright try and explain to the bright members of the party. Hang on, this is blatantly obvious. He's trying to get something and ask the question, do we care that he gets it? We have no idea why he wants it. So there's really no incentive here other than to survive. Yeah. Nothing that happened last night was about survival. Yeah. It was all about the perception that whatever the Toscali had taken, we should have instead. Yeah. And, and this is also one of those things, like, to me, this does seem to be uh, related to the pay attention bit, and, and a lot of out-of-character stuff did happen. So, and it makes, it makes me wonder, like, for example, when Ondorf went to grab what it was off the pedestal, perhaps within Discord and Fantasy Grounds, I should have separated that out so that you guys were not aware of what the results of whatever he was doing. Because as soon as Ondorf takes off running, the Tuscali goes, the Tuscali is aware of what Ondorf has and goes after him. Yes. And then, but Jenny is observing this and she's, Immediately going after the, the Tuscali. And that was and because Jenny went out, out of, out Jenny of went out of character, right. but no she one else did. She shouldn't have, all, all she should have known was that, that the Tuscali went after Ondorf and not why, no. what for. So, you know, would she go all of a sudden, well, let's, let's take this out because Tuscali comes in, doesn't fight, grapples. Yeah. To get something. And she's not, I mean, would she even be seen? I probably should have had a perception check in there so that, you know, no, you didn't see, you have no idea why the, the, the Scully grappled with Ondorf. But it was, we knew from, we knew from seeing the roles what was going on. Uh, and I guess this comes back to a good player can be given information and still dissociate themselves from, from what, what they, 
shouldn't know. A lot of this goes to if you are a good player and the DM stuffs up, to be able to say, yes, DM stuffed up. I know what the outcome's going to be. I know there's a, tra- a trap three feet in front of me. And what I'll do is I'll just tread on it because that's what my character would do. And if it's been revealed to me by accident, I still should play my character. Mm. Mm. And, and in that scenario last night, Jenny didn't play her character. Yeah. She, she was given information and she used that information that she shouldn't have had. Well, and, and I guess, you know, when you, when you do sit there and think of out of character, uh, would you guys as characters have ever encountered mummies to know that would fire be effective? But as a DM, you might say, you know, rules as written would be no, but you know, rules as implied would be, it's common sense. You know, this thing's covered it's in a trail wrapper, you know, would fire. Why wouldn't you? So was Domina throwing the alchemist flask at the thing out of character? To me, it didn't matter because I could readily say, yeah, I mean, you might, from a raw point of view, you might have said, no, 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 you can't do that because you wouldn't know. But for me, as a common sense wise, yeah, sure, why not? Well, and also, if, if, well, we are now assuming that some of the players are paying attention, but Domina was the one, I think, that threw the acid at Rahid that slowed him down in Heth's place. Oh, was it? That's right. At the very beginning, when you guys were at Festering Heths and you guys were having no luck at all with your attacks. Yes. Uh, against the yeah, wear yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's, yeah, it is, it is very true. Some of the, sometimes, and I guess this is one of those things as, as a DM, I've got to be more on top of my game and being able to say, you know, you, why are you going to throw this? I mean, or, or how do I, you know, it could very well be explained. Well, why not? I'm just trying something. The weapons aren't working. So yes, I just threw this. And that's, and that's thinking perhaps. And that is the ultimate position of, of the player that has nowhere to go is to take whatever you have in your backpack and use it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 and that's, I guess, one of those things where, you know, it comes down to this, you know, does the DM rule and say, well, no, you wouldn't know that or you just, you know, go with it because would the do characters, I mean, you are playing, you are role playing. Would you think enough to be like, oh, well, let's try what's it, whatever's in my backpack? Because I guess well, given, given, a, given that, an overwhelming force, you'll do whatever you can. I mean, yeah. it's the, the drowning man will reach for uh, whatever is sitting in front of him, even though it may kill him. Last week's session, when Jenny goes and does the heroic action to try to stop the stone slab, and she rolls an amazing strength check. So she is able to slowly stop the, the, the slab. And then Kundal is like, oh, you know, I've got a, a crowbar in my pack. Let's try that. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, being aware of what's in your pack and just being in a scenario like, shit, nothing else is working. Okay, so let's just try that. So, yeah, I mean, throwing a flask of acid, throwing a flask of alchemist fire. And, and the other thing is, is it the job of the DM to... Um, Police it? To, yes, if they're going to try something that the DM knows is going to fail or knows is going to succeed, that is the, isn't it the DM's role to let them do that? Well, let's let, okay, let's let's take again last night. So, the flying Tuscali has whatever the object is that it took from Ondor. Now it flies up, you know, it's up near the roof and it's flying towards the exit. What does Jenny do? Jenny takes off running. So, out of character, whatever, takes off running has the potion of levitate, downs the potion potion of levitate, and then levitates up. 
again, is this, you know, out of character? Is this, you know, you know, going too far? I sat there and I thought about it and I was just like, can I allow this or just say no? And I was like, well, why not? You know, I mean, what are you going to do? So at the end of the day, from a rules point of view, poffing the potion is an action. You've got your movement. So she running was her movement or well, she didn't have to at that, at that moment, the sand was not impeding movement. So she, she, she moved her full movement uh, and then she quaffed the potion as an action. So she, that was her movement. That was her action. And that was it. She couldn't do bonus action. There was nothing left for her to do. So she floated up. Then that was it. She couldn't grapple. All she could do was shout. So I was like, yeah, okay. Why not? You know? And the only, and in that scenario, her movement was impeded. And, and that would be the only thing that you could put up to say you couldn't possibly, while being impeded, make that distance and do the, the quaffing of the. But the point is, is that it was it did become a, a point uh, during the session where we almost stopped, and I, I didn't let it stop because we're like, oh, can you do that? And 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 and, and that's something that did work because there was two instances last night mm-hmm. where you said we will discuss this afterwards. Yeah, which essentially puts an end to any debate about rules and it goes back to you know the basis of any game and that is that the umpire's decision is final yeah whether it's right or wrong it yeah. doesn't matter yeah yeah and that, that's you know again you know go back to a few sessions back when uh, i let the barbarian have two attacks and in reality uh, you can't have, only entitled to one that's right and again that's just one of those things where I'm not on top of what the players can do. I mean, it, for me, I'm really focused on the NPCs and their narrative. So I really hope and expect that, that you guys are really on top of that stuff. But at the end of the day, the narrative got, has to continue f- forward and, and stopping to have arguments over this just, it really derails the situation, the mood, and then, you know, trying to get back into it. Yeah. And, and, so. and, and, it- when situation in that particular case, the barbarian won against an over, overwhelming force that should have crushed yeah. him like a crushed him like a bug. Yeah. Um, the outcome of this is that the the game goes on and the DM is simply left with the how do I bring the whole thing back to where it where it came from, you know, to where it should be. And, and it's funny if, too. If you're, and if you're creative as a DM, mm. then that's not an issue. I have to admit too, though, like that that first overwhelming situation, I did not expect you guys to survive but yeah because i i messed up you guys did which is fine and last night i really expected that you guys would have done two, i had two things that scenarios in mind that you guys i thought you guys would have done i would i thought that you guys would have attacked the tuscali and you guys would have been whooped because the between the tuscali and the mummy you guys were toast uh or or i figured that you guys would try to escape and that wasn't going to happen either. Yeah. And, and you guys didn't do either of those things. And I really expected that both of those things was going to lead to uh, a TPK. And you guys didn't do any of those things. So I was really shocked that TPK? you guys. TPK? Uh, total party kill. Oh, okay. And For those of you that don't know, I only played this once. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I was, uh, you guys all survived. Which and is interesting because my starting position last night when, when the door caught on fire was this is the end of this game. I fully expected that we would die. Yeah. And, and, there were, and, and logically, the, the own, to me, uh, and this is the outer character, um, the, the only solution was to let the other two parties fight it out and hope that you could pick off the winner. And, and the, question, the question really would have been, 
would they have fought it out? That that would have been interesting to see. If you guys would have all stood back, would they have fought it out? I, I know the answer, I, but I'm well, not saying it. And when you look at what we what we knew from the end of it, or what we knew very early on, and that was that the Tuscali had come for something, um, they got it, they left. And Chances you know, are we would I, have, I, have been, to... I, I suspect we would have been wiped out regardless because if we had stood back and the Tuscali got what they wanted and left, we're facing a mummy with a army that we can't beat. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, and I, I was I was ready for that where if you guys did, I was thinking if you guys did stood back, how's this going to play out? And I would have just quickly moved through how it would have played out and then I would have been, oh, okay, so now what are you guys going to do? Let's see how you spin this because I had a very good idea of what I was going to do, but yeah, it didn't turn that way. And um, it, what surprised me too was, okay, before the battle started, when the mummy erupted from the sarcophagus, Domina says to Kundal, should we be facing a mundle? Uh, so out of character, should we be facing a, mundle, uh, a mummy? Isn't this too much for us? Yeah. And Kundal was just like, okay, DM calls it. You just got to go with it. And I was just like, yeah, good job, Kundal. That's right. Yes. You know, I mean, I had a reason for everything that was going on. And uh, I, although I thought, mind you, th- th- he did have to explain it and debate that for a while. Yeah, for and a and again, we get back to things about playing you know this is goes back to the whole heart of pay attention yeah. it's there it's in front of you this is what you have yeah. to live with and he gets you get sidetracked and dragged dragged down the road talking about whether there should actually be a mummy there or not yeah. and you've forgotten yeah, the, the narrative the narrative stick with the narrative and, and and that was what happened he was for for his next move uh sorry for, for domino's next move didn't actually know where he was going yeah, no, yeah, that's right. She was kind of, you know, stumped. And, and then the other thing with that too was, so rectal and your, yourself, you recognized and saw what was happening. I, I do have to scratch my head. I do not think that Jenny clued into what was going on with the Tuscali there. I, I think that Jenny, and this is my opinion on, on how I understood the situation from what you guys are doing was Jenny was going to fight both sides. And I think that Domina was also not understanding the situation and was going to fight both sides. Kandal, I, I think he caught it. I'm not sure if, I mean, Ondorf was just focused on, I think, uh, if, if, if anything from observing, I would say he was focused on personal greed. So he was running with the in-character beliefs of, oh, I've got something, i got to get it, this is mine, this is mine. And I think he had to. I, th- I think he played well in character. I yeah. think he did. Yeah, it's greed and survival. Yeah. It was clear that his position was to get what he could get and then not get nailed. Because he's the only character who has no personal experience with Tuscali. So he's not going to have the same in-character point of view as the rest of you should. Hmm. Well, that being said, I shouldn't say that because Domina, as a drow, I mean, she's an outsider as well. I mean, her perspective when it comes down to Tuscali is, is very similar to Ondorf in the sense of... I, but so, she was there for the first... She was there for our for the first encounter. encounter yes. Um, and, and again... Pay attention because I'm sitting there. Ondorf is asking me about the, uh, the, the that first encounter, and I, I I did tell him. I said, "Okay, you weren't there, but when this first encounter did come, it it was one of these large ones that was flying, and there was two small ones, and the two small ones were beating up this guy. And then when you guys showed up, the flying one basically said, "Kill him." And so they, they killed him and then he told, and then the, the flying one was basically, you know, go attack the, these on, these oncomers. And so they did. Now you guys dealt with them 
And, and it, by, by doing so, you inadvertently re, uh, uh, rescued a bunch of people that were behind the corner mm. that were the Tuscali were holding in um, captivity. And I think everybody forgot that when you talked to those, those people that you rescued, they basically said they were asking about an idol. And so I've been giving hints about the idol since we started and, and pay attention. Nobody's picked up on that. You know, they, they focus on other words. Like how I don't know how many times I heard uh, Jenny talking about a totem, totem, totem. I was just, where is this coming from? What totem? Not once did I ever talk about a totem. <laughs> so yeah, this is one of those things where you're like, Oh God, please people pay attention because you know, I've, I've got to, as a DM go in and remind sometimes that no, no, you know, and should I do that or shouldn't I do that? If you guys lose the thread. And I, I think I do do that because I want you guys to stay clued into the narrative because otherwise it, it'll just get, there's too much and you don't. And, and you really you know, don't need a lot to, to stay on top of a game. You, you, you need to know who the characters are and you can do this on a piece of paper. Who are the characters that I'm leading that I'm seeing as I go along? Mm. What is their status? What are the things that drive them? And that's, the definition of who the, the the all of the people you meet and play in the game are, and the other side of it is what are the tasks that have been set? What are the bits of information that you've got? And so when you combine the two together, you've got all the information you want. In this particular case, the idol was mentioned on day one mm. um, and has since been forgotten. But here it appears later on. The Toscali were looking for the idol. It was, and there, the it was there in front of you. Nobody so. And this is one of those things where now we get to the next point, which was keeping information to yourself and not sharing. So one of the things is Ondorf is very clear what he took from that pedestal. Nobody discusses what did you take? Because I would have thought if you remembered that it's an idol, you'd be like, did you find an idol? Nobody talks about that. Everybody assumes this is it. This is the other piece. Well, is it? I don't know. But you guys don't discuss it. And I'm just sitting there. And this became freaking hell. I mean, you guys, so you guys always are working off of misinformation because you, you don't actually discuss things together. Like, I, I really think, you know, I'm, I'm shocked. Like, okay, well, how should we, what are, what are some tactics when we walk into a room? How can we work together, better work together or something like this? None of that ever, ever really happens. And, you know, do you want to do that in session so that, you know, uh, you're prepared for an encounter and where else can you do it? I mean, it's not like we're going to call each other up out in session to do have a discussion on what are our tactics going to be. No, and, so, it's, and it's not that hard. I mean, when, when, again, you, when you look at the, the scenario that we've had before, uh, we have a, a rectal's a great big giant that can block a hallway mm-hmm. and no one can get past him. As, as, as a stone wall, it's incredibly simple for him to just stand there while yeah. the others shoot around him. Yeah. It's a great tactic for, for fighting off a, a, a large bunch of enemies. And... This this particular party has not discussed tactics. Has not. There was. A, a, we've been in a three way fight before, and despite the conversation that was held after that, the whole idea of how do you deal with a three way fight and let the others, let two sides fight it out and then pick up the pieces, it hasn't been there. How do you enter a room? We haven't gone through. How do you enter a room? Who goes first? What should we look for? In this particular scenario, we actually just walk straight into a room. Yeah. And then let the cards fly. And while wow, lucky, lucky, you guys survived. Yep. And I, I mean, I, I don't think I was like, I, I debated many times. I mean, would the skeletons shoot at you or would they be shooting at the Tuscali? And, and I thought about it and I was like, yeah, okay. The skeletons, they would be going after the Tuscali because 
they they are being controlled by the mummy and the mummy you know seeing what was going on is very aware of what it was that Ondorf took uh, and and then that Tuscali relieved him of and it does not like that so not sharing information so keeping information I don't know if anybody's ever really specifically kept information because they didn't want to perhaps Ondorf because of his backstory yes but sharing wise this is just it like I for, in this example, Andor stole something and should have said, should have been, you know, would he have been aware of the idol? Uh, he should have from the point of view, because when Karima asked you guys, she, she was the only one who knew that the second piece was an idol. So she told mm. you guys about it. And everybody's forgotten that she said an idol. So, I mean, Andor should have been like, no, no, this wasn't an idol. So didn't share anything there, but did he forget about the idol? I think yes. And then the other scenario was when you guys were trying to solve the obelisk puzzle and Jenny came back um, sharing information. Oh, Jenny, you've suddenly come back after a split party. Hello, how are you doing? And, you know, she comes back and she mentions that she found some stuff that's going to help you solve this riddle. And rightly in character wise, you guys are like, Hey, what the heck? You know, it's that cat that we are all <laughs> upset with. And you're, you're playing that up. And she was not able to share enough of the information and whether you guys are out of character, were aware of it, you were really doing hard, working hard to play in character and be like, what do you mean? You know, asking questions. And she was not able to articulate where she was, why she's there when you guys are there and what's mm -hmm. her reason and the motivation. Right. Yeah. And so as a DM, I stepped in as like, remember the contract? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got mm -hmm. this contract. And so it was like, Sharing information, you got to remember, you got to pay attention to your plot line and what's going on. And oh, God, take some notes so that you can remember this. I mean, it, you can do and, it in Fantasy Grounds or and on a piece of paper. And there are five, you know, if there are four or five people on your team, um, it means that if one of you doesn't get it, someone else will. And, and, and that's the thing. Currently, we have a team of five players, one person's taking notes. Yeah. So, so that means that when that, when that, player misses something the other four aren't going to pick it up and this is and this is you know the sharing of information also is that if you do get divided if you do get split up uh, if you do find something that you are told by the dm in a, in a separate channel in discord then you figure out do you have to share it? And if you do, you've got to share as much of it as you can. It's not, just because you know it doesn't mean the rest of us are going to get it by osmosis. And we have been caught out in this particular game half a dozen times because people have got information that we haven't been told about. And, and I think I can tie that not sharing back to paying attention. And it, it, it just now, all of a sudden, I, I come to the thinking of it makes me as the GM wonder uh, so I love the narrative style and I want to immerse you guys into this narrative and, and, you know, make it enjoyable. And if people are not paying attention and, you know, remembering things or taking notes and therefore being able to share effectively, now all of a sudden I'm starting to wonder, will it become not fun for the players because they'll be like overwhelmed with, oh, we don't have enough information here. Or, what was it? We've I've completely forgot. I didn't take any notes. And so all of a sudden it's no longer fun for them, even though it's this, I personally think an immersive narrative story, but because they've not paid attention, uh, they're not sharing effectively and therefore it becomes, oh yeah, this is more trouble than it's worth. So now, all of a sudden now, as I'm, we're talking about this, I'm starting to think, oh hell, maybe I've made it too convoluted. Mm, or maybe you've made it too good. 
because mm. it, 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 it's a, you could use a two-edged sword as an excuse for this one uh, and say that the narrative is so good that people are listening to the story, not participating in it, mm. and therefore, you know, you're to blame for that. But the answer is no. It's, it's not a two-edged sword. It is... It has to be good because if it's not good, it's boring and it's dull and it doesn't go anywhere and no one gets involved in it. Yeah. And the players have to rise to the occasion. Well, I guess that, that's that's probably a positive thing because when the emotions go through the roof as they did last night uh, after the battle was over, I, I could probably I should actually maybe take that as a positive thing because even though paying attention might not be working and the sharing might not be working, it seems that everybody's invested enough that they are letting their emotions go Especially, especially Jenny. Yes. <laughs> Although I have to admit, Jenny right. did contact me today and she was like, oh, it was great fun. And I was just like, really? Wow. I, I, I really it's... thought you were, you know, at the edge of I'm done. But no, I really, I still want to play. I still want to play. I still want to be my, I still want to be Jenny. I was like, wow. Surprise. Yeah. Well, it's whether it's in character or out of character. I'm not convinced that Jenny's behavior last night was in character. Well, yeah, I guess we can't go too far into that area, but I mean, the other car- the other players were indicating that the that that's just how Jenny plays. So yeah, that's true. And and Jenny does have the loot. He says, segueing into the third yeah, part of the so conversation, who gets the loot? Who gets so the loot? This is one of those things where okay, if you want to keep a party cohesive, how do you handle? And uh, very clear in, in, in I think every game that we've played in as players. That business of who gets the loot, it's it's never discussed. It's you, it's mine. I got it. I got it. And I know for a couple of times, you know, in a game where I was like, oh, I managed to make a deal. Oh, it was in our first game with with another GM where we'd gotten back and I negotiated with one of the guys yes. in the sport and I got more money and I didn't tell you guys about it. And that was because I was away from you guys. We were in separate rooms in the same building and I managed to negotiate with these other guys to get some more. And so, yeah, I was like, yeah, should I share that? So, but again, in that scenario, we didn't discuss. Now, out of character, everybody heard me negotiating. Yes. And in character-wise, they played out this, no, we didn't really hear. I guess that's one and of so, so what you, but that's good play because in that scenario, um, that's how it was done. Hmm. I'm thinking more of who gets the loot when everybody knows what's there and the fact that, there is no rational discussion about who should get what. We we find that the, uh, the 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 garden gnome gets a you know six hundred pound axe that he can't that he has to drag along the ground and yeah uh, should he get it? Because there was that one thing like with rectal was like I rectal found I forget how I rectal found that. the cloak, but you're like once you attuned to it, you're like yeah no, here you gave it to Domino. Yeah, clearly it's it, of no value to to you yeah. as, as the barbarian. And what we're finding in this particular round is that it is the next shiny object. Yeah, it is. You know, it's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's a bit like watching a Bugs Bunny cartoon. But it, I, to, to that end, even though emotions were through the roof, uh, I think that it was good that the discussion was had from the point of view of, well, yes, I mean, if you're in a scenario and if if you are playing in character and in character, one guy is always going after. It, then yeah, in character, be like, wait a minute, you keep taking all that stuff. Why do you get to have it? Because at the end of the day, in character, yes, you guys would discuss this in character. You guys would be like, and in character, 
purely in character, if this was the cohesive party that it pretends that it is, and all parties claim that they're a cohesive party working to for the common good of them themselves, that, that they would sit down, they would have the loot, they would figure out who carries the loot, where do we put it, where do we stash it, how are we going to dispose of it. And those items that we can use that are magical or, you know, big, strong, silvered weapons, those kinds of things, we would give them to the players or discuss what you should have and what you shouldn't have and how we're going to get it there. In this particular scenario, we have dumped a whole pile of loot in a room in the in the pyramid somewhere, uh, and surely that's sort of part of the thing. Yep, let's just dump all the loot there. We haven't. We are yet to have a discussion about how we're going to get this stuff out of here. I was. I have to admit, you guys. Have, yes, you haven't had that. But uh, one thing that I really enjoyed last night was I, as a GM, I was waiting and waiting and waiting for one player to finally use one of those bloody silvered scimitars because I was so excited to finally be able to say. You strike something and the silver starts falling off. <laughs> Everyone was so excited about these things. And I was just like, you guys don't have a clue. And then finally mm-hmm. happened. I was just like, do you guys, I, I hope you guys twigged into what, what just happened there. But anyways, yes. I now, yes, I, I now, I, it's, it's, it's abundantly clear to me that, and since it was the only other weapon that I had. Because you dropped uh, your axe. Because I dropped you my axe. Pick a, pick a, Okay. Well, yeah, but again, the, you know, my axe, I've already damaged my axe. So my axe is yes, essentially worthless until, um, until I get out of the pyramid. Cause so you know it's in your character it. sheet where I basically put damage. A damage, yes. You're having damage in capital letters stuck next to your axe. Sort of, yeah. you know, it's a bit of a giveaway. So yep. clearly it wasn't going to last very long. Um, so, yes, I've got the I, – I, I did go to, for the silvered scimitar, which is now a rusty a, iron – Not a silvered scimitar not, anymore. The non-silvered rusty scimitar. Um, yeah, and I'm rapidly running out of weapons to use. But yes, I mean, uh, going back uh, to you guys discovered all of this this loot now, and and what do you do? Where does it go? Who gets what? And do you? And 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 so part of what happens is that if you think about us going forward from here, the the logic that that will happen will be some. How I expect this to happen is that everyone will get very greedy. Everyone will decide what it is that they want. They'll cash it in for a huge amounts of gold and platinum. And then they will trot back into town and then they'll all be very friendly. And when someone needs some money, they'll simply give it to them. Yeah. Rather than think of it as, as a, a group effort, we have a large pile of gems that we can well, and cobble this, together this, this, and convert to money. And we are going to get to a situation trying to get through well, the guards where it may be necessary for us to give all of the gems to one person simply because, and that would probably be Orndorff, and say, you need to smuggle all of these gems past the guard so they don't get taken yeah. from us because yeah. Rectal certainly is not going to get them past the well, guard. Well, you guys haven't figured it out. I mean, Ondorf was asking after session. He was like, I don't know what we're going to do. And I was like, yeah, I don't know what you guys are going to do either. How are you guys going to get this stuff out? Because you do know. Yeah. And Kandal's going to, you know, be, I mean, he's going to be very aware that it's been uh, quite a few hours since he was set out. So what is the GF going to do? When he comes back. Because you guys aren't aware of what they're going to do. And and there is a hope that Kundal knows of a secret passage in or out of this place. I mean, that's another thing, you know. This is a... I know, to be honest, I really, I, I, I sat there and I thought when you guys, as a battle was progressing to its end and the Tuscali were escaping through their tunnels, I really thought one of you guys would jump in. I was like, oh, cool. Are they going to do it? Are they going to do it? And you guys didn't do it. I was like, hmm, all right. That, that potentially could have been another exit. Yeah. Could have been a bloody... But also, Dangerous exit, you, but still. You, you do have to ask the question who in their right mind would go down yeah. down a Tuscalic tunnel. But the, the other thing too is, is 
this is one of the reasons as well that I police the encumbrances and I put that in the, in the message of the day uh, note, pay attention to your encumbrances because at the end of the day, I'm not going to let you guys carry, you know, a heavy gold door out and so that you can cash mm-hmm. it in. I mean, so it really does come down to, you've got this loot, who's going to take it, who's going to carry it. Can we carry it at all? What are we going to carry? Cause you, you guys do have to be sitting there because Ondorf, when he, before he entered that room, he was very clear saying, I'm dropping this because he wanted to make sure that he had his maximum movement. And, and that to me, that that's something that a guy should police because then yes, it affects what you guys are going to do, what you're going to carry and how you're going to do it and how you're going to plan. Cause letting you just carry everything is so improbable. And, and then all of a sudden you're, you're carrying, you know, your mom's queen size bed. And it's the first time that, that this group, clearly this group has ever been you know, given the challenge of living within their means. That's yeah. That's what's happened. 